Welcome to CBO Speaks, the official podcast of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission for this podcast is to ask chief business officers to reflect on their careers, share personal examples of the ways they have navigated challenging situations, and offer some lessons that they've learned from their experience as a CBO. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for being here today. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Don Alston, who is CFO and VP of Business and Financial Affairs at Spelman College. Welcome, Don. Thank you, Megan. So happy to, to be joined uh, with you today to talk a little bit about uh, my role and, and where uh, higher ed is going. Well, thank you. Let's just jump right in. So I think it's potentially the understatement of the year to say that 2020 has been eventful. So Dawn, let's start out. If you could go back to this time last year and teach yourself one thing, maybe tell yourself one thing, what would that be? I think I would tell myself how to balance. Mm. As soon as I figure out how to do it. <laughs> so, um, you know, the work that each of us does is so important. But in order to really lead effectively or most effectively, I feel like all all aspects of our lives must be balanced. Um, and I would love to say that I've mastered it, but I would be giving you fake news if I did. <laughs> I realize um that essentially to lead effectively, it requires not only mental capacity, but right now, especially, I would say spiritual fortitude. Um, we need emotional and physical well-being. Um, and I feel like it's hard enough to lead through a crisis. But for me, leading through a crisis without any sleep and no time yeah. for right and no time for prayer. Um, no time for spiritual rejuvenation, no time to just rest your mind, um, eventually wears on your physical body. And you're unable to focus and you're unable to provide leadership through um, focused problem solving and real strategic thought. So if I could teach myself one thing in October, I would have taught myself, okay, you can stop working. <laughs> um, at 5.30 or 6, and you can take a break, and it will be there tomorrow, <laughs> and you can start over again the next day. Um, so many things I, I would teach myself, but I, I think I would start there. And it's probably a little bit of a pacing thing, right? Because I think when everything happened, I don't know about you, but in 20, 2020, it was kind of a sprint. And you're like, okay, we've got to solve this, you know, but it turns <laughs> out it wasn't, it's more of a marathon, you know, it's kind of a pacing thing. Like, oh no, this is going to be with us for a while. So, you know, like settle in and, you know, yes, do all the hard work and figure out how to get it done, but it, it really is a pacing thing. So I think to your point of, of balancing yourself, that's a really critical, critical one. Absolutely. Um, so much happened in 2020 that I don't think any of us could have ever imagined mm -mm. Um, that there was uh, really no time to plan. Mm -hmm. And um, and 
probably most of us have personalities where that is a hard thing (laughs) (laughs) because we all um, live our lives by a budget plan or a plan for the day. Um, This is a scenario where um, there's no time. There's no real time to plan. You you couldn't foresee this coming down the pike. So um, it's important to step back. Like you said, I I truly agree that this is a marathon. Mm. The pandemic is not going anywhere. Unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately. (laughs) This is a marathon and not a sprint. So, Dawn, in the last couple of months, what would you say is one noticeable way that you've changed the way that you lead? I mean, you just talked about balance. Can you think of another way that, um, you know, you've changed your style or your approach? Um. I think one thing that that I have um honed in on that that has um that that has helped me and and this what may help me to say it might help your listeners to know that um I have been the CFO at Spelman for less than a year. Oh goodness. <laughs> so, <laughs> so right into the fire. So, Right. So I stepped right into the fire. I've been at Spelman for 20 years, but I've, I've um, only been in this role. Got it. Um, for, so everything's for less different. Than a year. <laughs> so everything is different for me. <laughs> so, so um, but as I have, um, as I have gone through this process, uh, I feel one of the changes is that I have become more confident um, because um, there is less time for planning. Um, and at first we had to make very, um, very strategic decisions very quickly, which leaves little time for self-doubt. Um, and so I think some self-doubt is something that, um, that we all share in at some point, but I believe that as time has gone on, um, I've become more confident, um, and and not just in myself, in my teammates and my colleagues, um, which is is very important when you are um, leading through crisis, because it, it's never a one man show. Mm-hmm. No one can do it all. Mm-hmm. So it is critical that you not only be confident in um, in your ability, but also in the ability of those that. Yeah, I think that's such an excellent point. And um, I, I love your point about confidence because you're probably just leading by instinct to a certain degree uh-huh. because it everything <laughs> has to be, you know go pretty quick and be like, oh, yeah, okay, my instincts are pretty good. Like, we just got to run with it. So I love right. that point. Um, well, I want to shift gears just a little bit, Dawn. And, you know, the higher education field for a while now has understood that they really need to be doing some things differently to develop the next generation of higher education leadership. And a big part of that conversation has been, you know, the growing desire to continue to diversify the field. Um, And I think that's something I'm excited to ask you this question. I I would imagine at Spelman, this is something that you're asked, or at least I hope you're asked frequently, like, how can (laughs) we diversify this field? How can we continue to develop our the next generation of leaders? So how do you think that the the CBOs of today should be doing that? Great question. Um, So I think the first step is to let go of any assumptions and recognize talent um, where you may think there is not talent. 
Um, so um, recognize that there are several roads that can lead to the CBO role, um, that um, let go of any of um, the, the, any predisposed notions about um, what people can bring to the table, um, regardless, of course, of race or gender. Mm. Um, uh, I do believe that um, we need to begin to see people's competencies and not their credentials. Because it's really um, your competencies that get you your credentials. So if an individual is competent in, um, for instance, strategic thinking, or is competent in, with analytical skills, um, then they can earn a credential. Mm. What we need to do is recognize that they have the potential and foster that. Um, I also think it's very important to allow your colleagues the space to grow and to fail um, because failures are actually what teach you the most. Um, we, it's important that even in a time when I know as CBOs, we're all um, kind of scrambling for dollars um, based on, you know, losing enrollment and, and um, not having students on our campuses. Um, but at the same time, we must also continue to invest in talent and actively search for it. Um, I believe it's very important that um, we be willing to share um, the road that that we have traveled um, freely. Um, and um, another thing that, that I often think about, especially since I said I just stepped into the role less than a year right. ago, but when I stepped into the role, the day I started was the day I started to do succession planning. Ooh, Ooh I love and that. So, <laughs> yep. And so um, I, I, in my thinking, um, I thought about those who I work with daily who may be interested in becoming a, CF, a CFO or a CBO um, and who I could see talent. Mm. Um, and so I intentionally said, okay, um, are you interested? And let me share my journey and um, anything that I can do to help you in your journey. Um, I am willing. And that includes sharing some of the things that I do. <laughs> right, right. Because not everyone that might be a good CBO knows that that would be a good career path for them, I would imagine, right? Like, not everyone understands all of the things a CBO does. Absolutely. Um, and and I can honestly say that um, because I I didn't intend on being a CB CBO. <laughs> My you, when you were a little I, girl, you weren't like, I want to grow up and be a CBO. <laughs> that was not. Shocking. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I just think it's important um, to recognize, you know, my background is actually in the sciences. So my, my undergraduate degree is in biology mm. and my, I have a master's degree in, in, in environmental toxicology. Oh, wow. So I have a very different role. You do than many people. Um, and so I just think it's, it, I, I appreciate the person, my mentor who saw that, oh, well, you know what? Um, the, the sciences it enable you to have great analytic mm -hmm. skills. Um, you're a good troubleshooter. You love research. Have you ever thought mm. about 
the business side of academia. Um, and, and so I think it's important that we keep that in mind. And that's how I think we will be able to, um, to start to diversify the business. That's a fantastic answer. Thank you, Don. Well, and to your point, let's talk a little bit about the skills you think are most critical for CBOs. And this is for, you know, maybe somebody's listening to this podcast who is considering this role, you know, not necessarily somebody who already is a CBO, but what would you say are the top three skills or attributes that are most critical for today, um, for CBOs today, and especially given everything that's happening right now in 2020? Sure. Um, so my first what I'm going to say is being the ability to be agile and not just flexible. So when I say that, I think about those who are flexible, being able to plan and um, on how to accommodate an emergency. Mm. Um, so, for example, um, in our sector, a good leader may have a budget plan that includes contingency funds in the event a chiller in one of the residence halls fails mm. and needs replacing. So a flexible leader can make contingency plans for just in case. Agile leaders can make whole organizational shifts in response to a pandemic that nobody ever guessed. Was coming. Mm-hmm. Quickly. Right. Very quickly. <laughs> so I think that it's critical that today um, we're we're agile. Um, my second um, skill, I, I think that is a very important, is being strategic. So um, I think that it's critical that um, in order to make those and drive those organizational shifts, you understand how to think strategically because that will um, uh, enable you to be able to align um, resources that are tied to overall strategy. Um, and it will also enable you to be able to uh, to, and I hate to say this word right now, but um, figure out the politics <laughs> that um, that you honestly will have to deal with mm-hmm. um, in any business, right? Um, and so education is 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 not free of having to um, having to satisfy many different constituents mm. simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And you have to be strategic to be able to do that. Um, and although you might not be able to satisfy everyone, and actually you won't be able to, um, you will be able to ha- at least have the respect um, of, the cons- of, of those who maybe are not satisfied with the decision um, but understand because you've been able to strategically explain um, why this makes sense. Um, and then um, my third, um, I'm going to say this is more of an attribute, I think is being humble. In order to lead, you all, you, you have to have someone that is um, following you. Mm. Um, and an ego is a quick way to push away a team. (laughs) (laughs) So that means that you would have to be agile and strategic in a vacuum and that never works. (laughs) So um, I think humility is, is extremely important because you realize that, um, that 
everybody makes mistakes. Um, and when you're humble, you're more willing to accept advice um, and um, more willing to offer um, grace to others that may make mistakes. And the important thing about making mistakes is that you learn from it and you employ different strategies um, moving forward. That makes that makes so much sense, and you've you've led me into my directly into my next question, Don, which is everyone's favorite question. And you know the way, as you've just pointed out, to create humility is making mistakes. So, as you think back on your career, would you tell us what you consider to be maybe a mistake that you've learned from? We like to call it a fabulous failure, but nobody likes to be like, oh yeah, here, let me tell you about the time I was a fabulous failure. But uh, <laughs> the point is like, can you share a mistake that you made that helped you grow in your humility? Sure. Um, okay, I'm going to share, um, this is when I think I was the, maybe the director of budgets. Um, and at the time, one of the uh, things that I was responsible for was um, the uh, the preparation of the um, facilities and administration proposal mm -hmm. that goes to the government so that you can negotiate your uh, indirect cost rate. Um, that particular proposal is driven by financial statements. Um, as you heard me say, <laughs> um, my background is in the sciences. Now I learned. <laughs> and then let me say, I do have an MBA now. <laughs> and I have had, you know, I've, I've learned lots of accounting over the years. <laughs> but again, that particular report is driven by financial statements. Um, and um, it was also due right before the Christmas break. Um, so here's my my epic failure that, and I've learned a lot. Um, I I enjoy working with others and collaborating. Um, at the time, um, my colleague and I worked on the report together, but ultimately, as as I'm sure. Um, listeners, and you know, um, when you are the one that is the leader and is responsible, you truly are the one that, mm -hmm. that, um, <laughs> that is responsible for the project mm -hmm. um, to the end. Uh, this particular time, I was scheduled to go on vacation, and uh, I went on vacation before we actually completed the project. That was a mistake <laughs> <laughs> because I had made a mistake in the report, oh, no. um, right? And luckily, um, you know, for, for me, um, I've always been, I've got a lot of grace going in my favor because, <laughs> because the mistake was caught uh, before it actually went to the government. Um, but what I learned from that was, A, um, see a project to the end. Mm. And don't leave before it's done, especially when you're responsible. Um, and don't be afraid to ever ask a question. So I think part of my problem was um, I, um, I was so hesitant to ask a question that I probably needed to ask um, around uh, some of the things, some of the accounting um, that I was looking at 
that I, I, I didn't ask what I needed to ask. So never feel like you can't ask a question. Um, and and that, that, that truly was humbling. <laughs> um, but I've recovered <laughs> uh, and I've learned always ask questions, see the projects. That is a terrific story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Don. And also thank you for sharing some additional insights and experience with our listeners today. I so appreciate it. Sure. It was my pleasure. You can find out more about Dawn and today's episode by visiting the education section, then click podcasts of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks in Apple Podcasts so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Dawn and myself, I'd like to thank you again for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. Mm-hmm.